mark. First of all, uh, you should have had your study guide. Um, if you haven't got one, make sure you pick it up. Just want to say a massive thank you to um, Charlotte, who's worked so hard on getting this all compiled for us. She's done a brilliant job. And um, she's got loads of people contributing. Um, we are, I'm not going to say we're going to do this every time, but we are going to try and do something as much as we can when we have preaching series. If you would like to contribute to them, if you'd like to help out in some way, please let Charlotte know. Sorry, Charlotte, I didn't tell you. <laughs> uh, please let Charlotte, or come and, come and ask me, um, because we just, what, what we love is just to get as many people involved in, in kind of studying and going deeper with it. So if you want to help out, please let us know. And then finally, there are a whole load of ideas on the last page on if you want to go a bit deeper um, how you can go about doing that and one of the books I just mentioned on there is this book uh, by Tim Keller it's called King's Cross and it's a study in Mark so I really want to suggest that you go and uh, buy that if you want to get a bit deeper with this story anything Tim Keller writes uh, you should buy because it's very good so uh, there you go yeah how much do I get I don't I did I did hear him preach live once but other than that um, there you go. He's got a big brain. Okay, brilliant. <clears throat> okay, let me just read our scriptures. I'm going to read from uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 20. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, where he preached the good, God's good news. I've got this, actually. Are you right to do that? Um, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking alongside the shore of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they were fishermen. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat, repairing their nets. He called to them at once, and they followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in their boat with the hired men. Okay, so today I'm kicking off our series in the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark is one of four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and they all tell us about the life and the work of Jesus Christ. Mark is the shortest of all the Gospels, and they think it's the earliest one to be written down. And actually, um, Luke and Matthew use a lot of Mark in their kind of recounting of the story. Each of the Gospels tell us about how Jesus became God's chosen Messiah, his anointed one how Jesus became king. And each gospel tells us many of the same stories, but they tell them in, with slightly different slants because each gospel is trying to show how Jesus is king in, in a slightly different way. Now, Mark has got three related themes running across the whole story. So three kind of ideas that you have to get to grips with. Number one is the kingdom of God. Number two is repentance. And number three is discipleship. 
And the main focus of our um, series over this time is going to be on discipleship. So we're going to pick up instances where we see Jesus kind of actively discipling or teaching or demonstrating to the disciples how they are called to live. The Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke start their stories uh, with the nativity. And so you have angels and shepherds and Mary and Joseph and you have stables and you have a baby Jesus being born and you have donkeys and you have a bad king and you have wise men. That's how that story starts. And so we all know that beginning of those Gospels. The Gospel of John goes back even further before the creation of time and space. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. Mark doesn't start his Gospel with any of that. Mark is always in a rush to get to the next thing. So he starts his story with a hairy man who lives in the wilderness eating locusts and honey, wearing clothes made out of camel's hair. And he's preaching this strange message, and people are coming from all around to come and hear him. And his message is this, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. Now this crazy man, John the Baptist, ends up baptizing Jesus Christ. And next week, actually, hopefully, we're going to have some baptisms in this pool. It's going to be very exciting. Good little link there. Um, and, and, and it's going to be, we're going to see people go in and then come out. It's really exciting. We're going to have a good time. Um, and after Jesus rose out of that water, it says the Holy Spirit fell on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven cried out, This is my son whom I love with whom I am very pleased. And so you have this wonderful picture of the Trinity, the Father speaking the sun coming out of the water and the Holy Spirit like a dove upon him. It's a wonderful picture. And then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness where he prays and fasts and is tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Shortly after this, um, John, this crazy guy, uh, is arrested and put in prison. And then with the, this is the first time we hear of Jesus speaking. And he's preaching. And what is he preaching about? He's, re- he's preaching about the kingdom of God. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The same message that John was preaching. And so as we begin our series in Mark, we have to try and understand these three ideas, these concepts. What is the kingdom of God? What is repentance and what does it mean to repent? And what, are, what is a disciple? If we can go home today understanding these three things, then it will make our study in Mark a whole lot easier. So, what is the kingdom of God? It's really important we understand what the kingdom of God is because Jesus is always talking about the kingdom of God, not just in Mark, but in all of the Gospels. Seek first the So the first thing Jesus says, the most important thing to look for in life is the kingdom of God. He goes on to say, everything else will be added to you. God will sort the rest. What you've got to do is seek first the kingdom of God. If we don't know what the kingdom of God is, how do we know what we're seeking? Our Father in heaven, 
Holy is your name. Amen. Well done. That was good. Could have been a bit better, but there you go. If we don't know what the kingdom of God is, how do we know what we're praying for? We need to know what the kingdom of God is. So what is the kingdom of God? Here's a definition. It's not the complete definition. But the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God on the earth. And Jesus is God's king. He's the king of this kingdom. And he came to establish God's kingdom on the earth. Now, in one very important sense, God does rule everywhere. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Colossians says, By him and through him all things hold together. So in a very important sense, God rules over everything. But in another way, God is not ruling. Humanity has rejected God. Nations around the world have scorned God. And they say they decide what is right and what is wrong. What is good and what is bad. They decide what purpose and value we should chase after. The pursuit of money. The pursuit of family, uh, of happiness. The family you always wanted. The pursuit of self-expression. These are the things that, are, that make up the kingdom of the world. They tell us how to act. They tell us how to behave. They give us our moral codes. They tell us what is right and what is wrong. And it is into this world, into this kingdom, that Jesus comes along and says, the kingdom of God is here. Now normally, when one kingdom comes up against another kingdom, it does so with force, doesn't it? I've got bigger guns than you. I've got bigger ammo than you. I've got better fighter jets than you. So I'm going to come against you, and you better bow down to me or you're going to get annihilated. That's often how kingdoms come up against each other. But Jesus says that is not how my kingdom is established because it's made for better things. The kingdom of God will grow alongside the kingdom of the world. So he said it's a bit like yeast in a, in a bowl. So you have a big bowl of um, dough and, you, and, and it's just sitting there and you put some yeast in and it's just a tiny bit of yeast and yet as it does its work, slowly but surely, it affects the whole bowl. Yeah? Or he says it's a bit like a mustard seed. It's a tiny little seed and it gets planted. It looks small and insignificant and it, it, it's kind of vulnerable and yet it begins to grow and becomes the biggest um, tree in the whole of the forest. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And he was right. See, when Jesus was born, he came into the world. It was just him. The kingdom of God had come. And then he calls two people. And then he calls another two people. Come and follow me. And the kingdom of God grows. 
And then he does miraculous signs and wonders and people are, are saved and they're healed and they're set free. And the kingdom of God is beginning to establish itself here on earth. And then many people see what Jesus is doing and they begin to follow. And, and people that in the kingdom of the world don't like it. And so they crucify him and he dies. But three days later, he rises again and he de- demonstrates again that the kingdom of God will never be defeated. And then he goes on and he, he goes, he sends his spirit and 3,000 people are added to the church and, and the church is growing and they're going out and signs and wonders are accompanying the kingdom of heaven and they go out across the world and now we jump 2,000 years and there are more Christians on earth than there ever has been and the kingdom of God continues to grow. Everything from health services, education services, global charities, human rights and welfare initiatives, arts, music, theatre, literature have all been affected as the kingdom of God has been proclaimed throughout the world. So the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God on the earth. Do you know what the kingdom of God is? Good. Brilliant. John the Baptist came saying, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus came saying, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. The next question we have to ask is, what is repentance? The word repent simply means to turn. That's the easiest way to think about it. I want you to imagine you are driving on a motorway, uh, four lanes, fast and free. You can go as fast as you want, as long as you obey the limit. But you keep going. You go, go, go. And, uh, and this is wonderful. You're going to get to your de- destination very quickly. And then suddenly there's some orange signs blinking um, just above you. And the first sign says, slow down. And you think to yourself, no one else is slowing down. Everything's going fine. I'm just going to carry on going as fast as I want. And then you come to a next sign and it says, slow down, cue ahead. Um, uh, so you step off the gas a little bit you slow down and uh, you think okay what's going on the next bit is slow down cue ahead long delays expected and you think to yourself this is very inconvenient (laughs) so you start thinking I better slow down the next sign severe congestion at next junction find alternative route suddenly you've got to make some decisions Shall I risk going along this motorway? It's so fast, it's so free, it's so quick. I'm loving it. Do I believe the signs, what they're telling me? Should I just sit it out and see how long it takes? Maybe by the time I get there, it will be cleared up and it will be fine. Or shall I risk? Or shall I come off the motorway? Shall I take the winding country roads that are going to take a bit longer? Will my sat-nav work? Are the road signs going to show me the way home? Won't it take me loads longer? Won't it be a tougher route? Might I get stuck behind some sheep or a flock of goats or something like that? Is my, is my journey going to be a lot more tiring? So it's decision time. It's the final junction. Are you going to ca- carry on along that fast, free motorway? Or are you going to repent? Are you going to turn? Are you going to change your plans? Are you going to do something very different? You see, repentance is a dramatic change in direction. 
It's a dr- dramatic change of plan and it will affect your life. It will affect your life. You cannot be a Christian and expect your life is just going to carry on down the same road as it was always going down. Often when we think of repentance, we think about turning away from individual sins that we do. So Lord, I'm sorry I, I, I thought wrongly of that person. I'm not going to do that behavior anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the way I'm, I'm behaving. I'm sorry I looked at that person in, the, in, in a lustful way. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to turn the way. I'm going to do something different. And we think of things like that, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to be greedy. I'm not going to be lustful. I'm not going to be full of pride. I'm not going to covet my neighbor's wife. I'm not going to covet my neighbor's donkey. I don't know why you would. But, you know, these, these are the ways we think about it. Um, but these are the way, this is the way we often think about it. And these, it is important that we repent of these things, that we say, I'm not living like that. But actually, repentance is more than that. Repentance is a decision to serve a different king. I'm not going to live for the passions of the world anymore. I am going to put my trust in the rule and the reign of God. Okay, Rob Rob Rima says this. Repentance is more than just a change of behavior. Biblical repentance is about changing your mind and your purpose. It's about changing the way you think. It's about bringing yourself and bringing your life into alignment with God. See, in many ways, repentance is a tougher road to go down. It's a tougher life to lead. When you decide to live for the kingdom of God, you don't know what route he's going to take you down. You don't know what challenges you're going to face. It's going to feel narrower at times. It's going to feel more complex at times. And so in some ways, it's, it's tougher. He actually, it's not like life is hurdleless when you become a Christian. Okay, actually, you still go through those times of real toughness and, and negotiation. Um, so in one sense, it's tough. But in, in another sense, it's really simple. Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon Peter and his brother John throwing nets into the water. And he called out to them, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's it. Come follow me. What does it mean to be a follower of, or a disciple of Jesus? Um, the two greatest aspects of discipleship in Mark are being with Jesus and sharing in his mission. Disciples are invited to be with Jesus on a great spiritual journey to share in Jesus' mission of proclaiming the king, God's kingdom in word and deed. If you're a disciple, you are more than just a believer. See, uh, Peter and, um, and Andrew, uh, yeah, Peter and Andrew could have said, Jesus, thanks for the invite. But as you can see, we're on our boats. This is our business. This is our livelihood. This is how we provide for our family. And so I can't follow you. We're throwing our nets. We want to get fish. That's how we're going to live. The other two, John and James, had even more reason in one sense. They could have said, Jesus, I get you want us to follow you, but 
We've got our dad in the boat. We're looking after him. We've got, we've got other people to think about. You can't just tell us to drop everything and follow him. But incredibly, that's exactly what they do. And in Mark, in the, throughout the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus do this time and time again. He goes into a situation. He meets a person. He perceives their greatest desire, the thing they love and cherish most, and, and says to them, that thing is the thing you're going to have to give up in order to follow me. And some people say, great, I'm doing it. And other people go away sad. Jesus, you're asking too much of me because the thing you're asking me to give up, the thing you're saying is it needs to go by the sides. I need to drop away. That is the thing that I love most. That is the thing that I serve. That is my God. That is my King. It's a very challenging place that he's taking us. Okay, so a disciple is someone who gives up everything in order to go for the one thing that is of most value. And actually, in our, in our society, we understand this concept. So if, if someone like Mo Farrow came up here and he said, you know what, I've got to give up a lot. I don't get to spend time with my family. I don't get to eat the food I want. I don't, I don't get to do a lot of stuff in my life. But I'm doing it because I'm going for this, this thing. I want this thing. We'd be like, okay, Mo, we can understand that. That's hard. It's hard on your family, but we understand or if someone says, I, I want to I get into the army, and they say, you know, I've got to give up some of my liberties and freedoms in order to do what I'm told, we say, okay, we can kind of understand that. Or someone says, I'm going to go on a diet, and, um, and so I've just got to eat kale every day. <laughs> uh, you, you, you're like, okay, I kind of get it, I understand that. But when as Christians we say, you know what, Jesus is the ultimate treasure, the kingdom of God is the thing we should be seeking with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And I'm going to give up my old way of life for that. People think, you're weird. And I'm like, you're weird. You drink kale for breakfast. <laughs> but the kingdom of God is so much more valuable. Okay, so a disciple is someone who's saying, I'm giving up. It wasn't always bad stuff either. Fishermen. They were fishermen. They were fishing. They were doing a good job. But actually, God was calling them into something different. See, God's got plans and purposes for each one of us. And it is a complicated thing to work through as well, because for, for those disciples, they, Jesus said, come follow me. Then you get to Mark chapter, chapter 5, and someone is remarkably healed. It's an, it's an amazing healing. And that guy says, can I follow you? And Jesus says, no, you can't follow me. You've got to go back home and you've got to proclaim what's been going on in your hometown. So it doesn't necessarily mean physically you have to do this to be a disciple. It means different things for different people. And we've got to work that out. And hopefully our series will help us to work through some of that stuff. So come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Have you heard the call of Jesus on your life? To the builders in this place, he says, come follow me and you'll help me build my kingdom. To the teachers, he calls, come follow me and you're going to teach eternal truths to the people I put in your place. To the doctors and the nurses, he calls, come follow me and I will make you people that heal bodies 
and heal souls. To the cleaners, he calls, he says, come follow me and you're going to be people that cleanse hearts and homes. And to the motherly, he says, you're going to be people, you're going to be mothers to the motherless and to the fatherly, he says, you're going to be fathers to the fatherless. And to the retired, he says, come follow me and I will make you a proclaimer proclaimer of eternal hope. All you need to do is follow me. Will you follow? So to sum up, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God on the earth. And Jesus is the, kingdom, is the king of the kingdom. Repentance is our decision to turn from the, God, for the kingdom of the world and enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus is our Lord. Discipleship is living a life of repentance, of following Jesus wherever he chooses to lead us. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is our guide. Amen. Amen. Can we stand together?